Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of On Set with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. This week, we have a great guest, digital managing editor of news at BET.com, Danielle Hendricks. In this episode, we talk about the process she uses to select which news stories are covered and how they are told. We also discuss how she went from being a college student to working at BET. So here's my interview with Danielle Hendricks. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really happy that um, you asked me to to join you. So I guess to get started, tell me a little bit about what your job is and what you do. Uh, I am an editor for BET Digital, um, usually covering national news or sports stories. Mm -hmm. And um, at the, the top of my day, I assign stories to writers and to, um, you know, video producers and editors uh, that are relevant for our audience and also are part of the current news cycle. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I give them their marching orders, essentially, and then they'll hit me back with, you know, um, different angles that they have that they want to take on the story, um, different, uh, you know, Maybe we should lead with this particular photo or let's do a 30-second video or an infographic for this story, yada, yada, yada. And Mm -hmm. then um, just as stories come in throughout the day, I assign them to, um, you know, different members of the team. And we work with, um, you know, photographers and um, shooters and editors to to get the content up on the site. So it's pretty much the day-to-day routine. And then I also work on feature stories, um, mm-hmm. text or video, and reach out to freelance writers um, for for working on those, and then also work reach out to freelance writers if I see a story doing really well on the site and really resonates with their audience. I might reach out to someone to do an op-ed or a commentary on that particular topic to, you know, kind of have mm-hmm. a, a first-hand storytelling, um, you know, to, to just add to um, the content that's on the site. Yeah. So that's, so, a, that's like, pretty when, much the day to day. Yeah. So I, I guess when you like when you get get to work and you have to decide which I guess uh, which you know projects, which I guess news articles to cover, um, which uh, you know what you're what you're going to I guess talk about on the site. I guess what's your process in deciding what works and what won't? I mean, it's really um, just looking around um, online and on social media and seeing which stories have um, a lot of traction, um, seeing which stories, you know, um, our demo audience is paying attention to and sharing and Mm -hmm. then going from there and deciding, you know, they want, and and also figuring out what questions they have. um, So that to figure out, you know, like what, you know, we see that, so-and-so broke the story, let's say CNN broke a story, but um, they didn't necessarily include an angle or details that our audience is particularly interested in. So then we'll track down mm-hmm. that information and um, and then put that info out. So, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's too difficult of a process, but it's definitely something that you need to be um aware of everything that's going on, even if it's something that yeah. your audience or brand would necessarily do, and then figuring out, mm-hmm. you know, where that um, intersection is, you know, where it make and, and how to, um, how to make it relevant and make it something that is going to get page views <laughs> and be yeah. in high engagement on social. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned page views and 
uh, I'm, I'm just curious uh, because I know like sometimes stories are just small, um, not necessarily small, but like it's just something that quick comes, you post your story, people watch the video. That's great. But other times, I guess most recently, like the Aaron Hernandez uh, situation, I don't know how to best yeah. describe that. There's just so much, I guess, flying around uh, as far as far as what's available um, with that. So is there any difference in how you approach, I guess, these smaller stories versus like these big, huge, so big, it's huge, a, so yeah, like, there, I mean, is there a difference? Um, I would say if, if there's a story, um, for instance, the Aaron Hernandez story is a really big story mm-hmm. on the right now. Um, people are really interested in it. I mean, it's a major national story, a major story mm-hmm. for sports. Um, and, so, you know, we'll, we'll you obviously send out that, um, you push out that initial content just um, stating the what, where, when for that breaking um, news event, which was unfortunately his um, death by suicide. Yeah. And so we'll initially cover that and then um, we'll see if that's getting any traction, if our audience is interested in additional details. And then, you know, looking at the comments um, and then looking at, you know, what's, what's you know, officially coming out um, as far as reporting, we'll, we'll add on to the, to the coverage. Um, you know, if someone's, how does this happen? If you see, like, how could this happen? How could someone be in, you know, um, prison and have security around 24-7 and no mm-hmm. one noticed? You know, so then trying to figure out, okay, so, you know, let's, let's walk, you know, our audience through um, the, you know, policies and procedures for like, you know, what to do when something like this happens in the prison or, yeah. um, you know, so just, just different, you know, that, I think that's the approach as far as it's a big story that we know is doing well. And then for smaller local stories, um, as far as like, how do I decide if it's worth us covering or not? It's, you know, if it's a good story, if it's a strong story, if it's something that, um, you know, has, um, a human interest element to it. Um, or something, you know, that can relate in a more broader narrative to um, a, a bigger, you know, audience. Uh, that, you know, that's usually how we dictate if that's a story, a local story that's worth uh, covering or not. And then also, you know, sometimes you get stories where people just really aren't that interested in it. And if it's not, you know, like a major important, you know, national mm-hmm. or world event, then you're like, okay, well, maybe this is better as a post, like just a, a post on social and, and doesn't really require the manpower and, and resources mm-hmm, that yeah. an article or a video um, would take. Okay. So, I mean, you have, I guess, gone through a lot of these, uh, a lot of these videos, a lot of these topics and news, um, you know, since, I guess, since you started at a BET, um, so I guess my question, are there any that you've worked on that like after a- after you and your team like finished to put it out, you felt really proud of like like any news stories that like you you, you felt really you know, proud of how I you covered it? And... There are, I mean, there's a few stories um, I would say. So we I, I am a co my co-editor. Um, his name is Jason mm-hmm. Torres. And at the top of the election cycle, we worked on a video um, project called First White President. And we had mm-hmm. um, one of our contributors speak with a bunch of kids um, who had only had Barack Obama <laughs> as their president yeah. and asked them to weigh in on the election cycle and what they were thinking about what they were hearing and who they thought would make a good president. And, you know, just kind of their worldview, because that's something that, you know, obviously most adults 
you, you know, can't relate to. We're the only presidents yeah. that we had until Barack Obama um, <laughs> were white. And for these kids, the only president they've ever had is black. So just kind of saying like, you know, do they, do they even, do they recognize that at all? Or is that something that kids are picking up on consciously? And mm-hmm. it was, um, it was cool because a lot of kids were, they, you know, not only was it these kids had their first black president, but they also saw as a serious contender, um, a woman, um, who was, who was running for campaigning and running for president. And mm-hmm. then they also saw someone who wasn't a traditional politician and Donald Trump running yeah. for president. And so, um, that was a really, um, really interesting, really cool and, and really fun video project to work on. And it was similar to, um, you know, the production style and the type of project I've worked on in TV yeah. prior to um, joining BET's digital team. And then just this week alone, there was um, a shooter in Ohio. I'm sure you've heard about the story on Easter mm-hmm. Sunday. Unfortunately, this man had um, uploaded a video to Facebook Live of him at random shooting um, another man and saying that it was because of um, an ex-girlfriend of his. And so yeah. a lot of the coverage for that story really focused on, you know, mental health, gun control, um, social media and its influence on, on people's actions and what they do and why they do it. But um, the woman who he blamed the shooting on, her name happened to be Joy Lane, and there was a hashtag that started trending, Joy Lane Massacre, that people were referring to mm-hmm. the shooting um, um, by her name and kind of giving her blame to it. And it was it was um, you know, great to be in a position where we could lead a narrative and how we covered that story that talked about yeah. domestic violence and violence against black women. And instead of kind of um, going down these different pathways, um, focusing and highlighting, um, you know, that this is all too common um, as far as domestic violence is concerned and, and particular violence against um, black women by their partners mm-hmm. and just kind of having that conversation about what you know, people can do to help and the responsibility of um, media outlets as far as coverage is concerned um, for from making, you know, making it clear that it wasn't that woman's fault and mm-hmm. um, to, to cover it in any way where it seemed like, um, you know, she was to blame or wasn't also a victim uh, would be um, a misstep. So that was, that was yeah. also, I think, something that, you know, it's a, it was a, it was a nice opportunity to be able to do something, cover news in a way that I think is relevant to our audience and also feels like uh, I'm, it's with integrity <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so how do you, I guess, balance line when you're dealing with some of these potentially controversial issues? How do you know what, you know, you can cover that won't, I guess, turn away, you know, your core audience or whoever? Like, do you, do you I guess, factor in? like what you feel will get a, you know, a, a negative response from people or yeah, how do you go about right. that? This is a big conversation right now in the um, in media and news in general about fake news, right? Mm-hmm. And fake news essentially being, you know, number one, just covering stories that with incorrect information or covering non-stories like, um, you know, something that literally did not happen, but, but you know, going with mm-hmm. it, going with it, uh, even though you know that it's it's not true or not fact based. And there's also fake news in the sense of having it's like a nugget of truth to it, but it's hyper biased towards um, you know a particular audience, either be that political or otherwise. Um, you know, if it's 
some uh, someone who's a Republican or a Democrat or mm-hmm. older people versus younger people, and just something that's like super um, targeted to that particular audience's palette and, and not, you know, just a general coverage of these, this is what happened and these are the facts. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely aware of that when we pick stories, um, you know, making sure that ultimately the coverage is just factual. Do we highlight an angle that maybe is getting overlooked by mainstream media? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we definitely do. I mean, that's the responsibility I think of, being a publisher on a platform that, you know, caters to minority audiences, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. our stories aren't told and aren't told as thoroughly um, by mainstream media outlets. So, yeah, we're definitely going to make an effort to say, here's how this is affecting our community, this is how it's affecting your community, while also giving them the, you know, the facts um, that, that, you know, are generally being told um, on CNN or BBC or elsewhere. Yeah. So I I guess kind of to there's a lot of, I guess, this type of like news that comes out as controversial. Also, a lot of coverage with the election um, and Trump's presidency. There's lots of controversial, sometimes upsetting, uh, sometimes, you know, sad news. And also, as you mentioned, like the shooting, there's lots of, I guess, sad stuff that happens, unfortunately, in the world. Is there like an effort to like mix in like some funner articles as you? Yeah, I mean, like, for, yeah, for our audience, I think we're mindful of the fact that like you know who who we are and who our audience is, and if they want just straight news, you know, they're going to go to different publishers, and if they want, and by that mm-hmm. I mean literally just this person was shot at this time, almost like a police blotter, <laughs> like you know, it's just like it's really just the facts of AP Reuters um, type of um, reporting, really just a report and not the story behind it, not here's the report, but we also reached out to family members and here's what family members say and here's what people are saying in the community, um, you know, leading up to this particular event and here's what different, you know, um, government organizations are saying that, you know, their response is going to be to this or, you know, really just kind of um, making the story a little bit more full and less of, and, and not literally just here are the facts, that's it, bye, moving on mm-hmm. to the next thing. I'm really trying to give uh, details that that uh, result in engagement and the audience having a conversation uh, about that story and about how they felt and about how it affects, you know, their, their community or, or it's just their outlook on life. Um, you know, that's definitely something that we try to do and we do try to, you know, by default of covering what the audience is interested in, you're going to cover viral news stories. You're going to cover yeah. funny stories. You're going to cover crazy stories. You're going to cover sad stories. Um, we make an effort mm-hmm. to cover a variety of stories and, and, you know, definitely make an effort to not just cover, you know, one particular type of story just because we know that it'll get um, a ton of clicks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So let's, I guess, back it up to, I guess, how you got your start in the industry. Um, so I know you graduated uh, from Hopkins and then eventually got to BET, but can you talk a little bit about I guess, your journey there? Yeah. So I graduated from Hopkins and started working in Washington, D.C. for an NGO that um, focused on democracy and governance. Um, through um, helping various countries have um, free and transparent elections. And the mm-hmm. um, region that I focused on was MENA, Middle East, North Africa. 
and I was there. I actually interned with this organization for um, my senior year, like during my senior year. And mm-hmm. um, right out of that internship, went into a full-time, and out of graduation, went into a full-time position with them, like entry-level position. So I worked with them for um, about a year after school and then decided that I definitely wanted to just make the shift to to media, um, so full-time mm-hmm. working in um TV or film because while I was also working with them, I was still doing PA work on documentaries and, mm-hmm. um, you know, still love doing that type of work, but wasn't sure that I could make it a sustainable um, job, like with a, with a sustainable income. Cause like, you know, when you're a freelance worker, it's gig based. Um, so you could be, you could have a job for a day and then not have a job for a day and then have a job for a week. And then, you know, if not, and I just felt like, you know what, I don't, I don't like <laughs> that not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted some security. So I, I tried to figure out and look into different um, jobs within the industry that weren't um, weren't like a typical freelance based uh, yeah. job. And I reached out to some professors from Hopkins to ask if they knew of any people who could help me, um, help give me some insight and some direction into, you know, just how the industry works and where to where to get started if I wanted to work in mm-hmm. TV. I was also interested in writing and producing and I still am and I still get to do those things even though I work on the digital side but um, mm-hmm. set up a meeting with the with a number of people and one of them happened to be the head of programming um, and uh, at BET and his name is Stephen Hill he's actually no longer with the network but he's been there for some time and um it was great. It was a great meeting with him. I told him what I was interested in, what I wanted to do. Obviously, he knew where I went to school because the contact that you know put me in touch with him was a Hopkins professor, so he knew where I went yeah. to school, and and I think that definitely helped. Um, and so yeah, so I told him, hey, I'm interested in writing and producing, and one day I want to be a showrunner and you know have my own show, be an ET a show, and you know this is the type of content that I'm interested in. I'm interested in you know uh, news satire um and comedy and um you know the, this is the type of show I want to do and they currently didn't have any shows like that on their slate uh and so he he let me know that you know while they currently weren't working on any shows like that they had one in the works and he thought it'd be a perfect fit and to um stay in touch with them and keep mm-hmm. him posted and he'd keep me posted and then eventually he said hey uh we we, we figured out the production company that we're going to go with to produce this show and they're staffing up and I sent them your resume, um, look out for an email um, from them if they think that, you know, you'd, you'd be a good fit to work on the show. And cool. luckily I got an email from um, the woman who headed up the production company it was Mad Cow Productions. Her name is Madeline Smithberg and she was um, a co-creator with uh, Liz Winstead of The Daily Show. So I was like, yeah. wow, this is crazy. This is scary, but also awesome. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I went in on an interview with her and told her what my ideas were and that, you know, I was really interested in writing and there was a spot in the writer's room for a PA, like a writer's Mm -hmm. assistant. And that was the job. That was my like first TV job out of school. And it was awesome. It was great. I got still really, and you know, I did the basic work that you're supposed to do the grunt work as a um, writer's assistant in a room with like taking down the notes from the writers. But also I, was allowed to um, give my idea, offer up my ideas and my opinions and my takes on things or how, you know, and I got to learn a lot about how, you know, a show is produced, how a show yeah. is written, 
how segments come together, how you work with the different editors and, you know, um, field pieces and field producers and just all of that. And also like producing a panel. Um, so I just, you know, booking a panel, all of it really. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to learn a lot, uh, very hands-on and the people that I work with were, um, were great. So, um, so yeah, that was my first gig. And then I just have been working in the biz ever since, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. you know, going from various opportunities uh, to, that, that led me ultimately back to, to BET on the digital side. Cool. So uh, you, you majored in film and media studies at Hopkins, correct? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like that is well, that, that that experience was helpful in, I guess, pursuing pursuing your goals um or or would you recommend like a similar type of path and you know going to a school a school with a decent film school um such as hopkins and then maybe leveraging the professors and working your way into into the industry that way well i mean well i guess so uh first i would say i do think that majoring in film and media studies was helpful um for Mm -hmm for the, you know, just what I've learned as far as being able to apply that and to the different jobs that I've had post-graduation, I do think it helped a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then as far as, you know, working with your um, school, with your university program, um, either the actual, you know, professors or the um, alumni program um, or working with their, whatever school you're going to with the career center, you know, all of those things you should definitely be leveraging to um, help yourself get a job in the field that you want that pays mm-hmm. you well <laughs> once you graduate because yeah. that's essentially what the investment was that you made by going to that school. And I, I think that, yeah, definitely um, going to Hopkins Health, like I, I for sure wouldn't have gotten my first job um, in TV, the first job that I had in particular, I wouldn't have gotten that job um, without uh, the help of uh, Lucy Bucknell without her help. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. And without Linda's help as well. Like, you know, like it's definitely, uh, you know, the, the I'm, I'm very grateful and very happy that our, the professors at Hopkins, you know, continue to be very supportive of um, their students and their careers uh, mm-hmm. post graduation. So, um, yeah, no, it definitely helps. I would say I'm, what do you, what are your, what do you think? What are your, what's your concern? What's your, your, you know, deeper question as far as I'm, what I'm learning is that really something that I can apply with your. Well, I mean, the main reason why I ask it and, you know, everyone that I've had on this podcast, I've asked if they would recommend their path into the industry. And I think it, you know, from what I've learned, it's really different for everyone. Everyone who does a different job has a different way to get there. No one gets to the same place the same way. Um, which I've, I've learned that. And, you know, I'm just, I I guess I'm just curious to see how people do it. You know, I, as a current film student at Hopkins, I do eventually want to get to, I guess, where, where, where you are and where, you know, some of the other people I've talked to, uh, are in the industry. And it's, it's interesting to figure out how everyone did it. Just so I know that, Mm-hmm. You know, if one way doesn't work, I know there's a million other ways. Other ways. Just, yeah. Yeah. There definitely are. Definitely. And I would, what I say, so would I necessarily say, you know, to do my way? I mean, <laughs> no, like I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. say to like 
you know, get a job out of, um, right out of school that's not in the field. I, that just happened to be what worked for me because prior to, I didn't go come into Hopkins as a film and media studies major. I came mm-hmm. into Hopkins as an international studies major. And then I changed my major to public health. And then I changed my major to film and media studies. <laughs> yep. And all the while, um, every time I was majoring in something, the focus of that major for me was the media part of it and the story part yeah. of it, right? The news stories. And you can kind of tell how, you know, if you're, if you're an international studies major or public health major, how that could influence um, in a helpful way your work um, later on in life if you're doing unscripted work or, or working in news mm-hmm. or if you're doing scripted work, you know, if you're working on Homeland. Obviously, if you had a background yeah. in international studies or, or even a minor in it, you're going to be able to bring something to um, that script or to that, you know, those different locations or shot choices um, that somebody else who didn't have that experience or that knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, they would be able to bring to it. But so, um, you know, I had gotten enough coursework in international studies that I could still get an inter- you know, I could still get an internship um, easily. Yeah. Uh, my junior year while also doing film and media. And I just want, I think it was for me, it was a practical thing. Like, well, if this doesn't work out, if film and TV doesn't work out, I always have something, you know, I could do communications work or PR work or media work in international studies um, or even public health because I also did research um, at the School of Public Health um, mm-hmm. with a different, pro- with a professor. Um, so I, <laughs> I had my option. I, I laid out a number of options for myself, a plan A, B, C, D, E, you know, whatever mm-hmm. was going to happen. I knew I, I had to have a job when I graduated. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I definitely gave myself, um, you know, safety nets. And I think that, that I would recommend to anyone what those safety nets are. I don't know. You know, it depends on you and what you're interested in and what you love and figuring out the different ways in which you can apply what you love into different fields um, that will pay you. But I would definitely recommend having, you know, plan B's and C's. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially right out of school. Cause you never, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And it does take a while to get that first um, job in TV. It's, it's not, you know, something that happens overnight for most people. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I guess wrap it up. Two more questions. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess as, uh, you know, a, a, an editor, uh, uh, for a, a new site is, I, I guess probably a good way to think about it, it for young, I guess, uh, for, for young editors who want to go into, you know, making videos about news and stuff. Are there any, I guess, videos, whether it be, you know, ones that you've worked on at BET or that someone else has worked on that you see that, I guess, a student should watch. Um, so they can kind of learn, you know, through osmosis. And I would say watch all of the videos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so to, I would say just so you can have an idea of the different, you know, the different styles and the different voices and the different ways that people use text and image and voiceover or a host to quickly um, and um, effectively and efficiently tell a story obviously if you're putting Mm -hmm. content online it's usually shorter you know it's really not the same type of content that you're going to consume from television or from um you know a theater from for film um or a screening rather it's Mm -hmm. something that you know you are going to put most you know when you're working in digital these days um 
you got to think of every single platform that someone's going to consume your content. And that first platform is typically someone's phone. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're creating videos that somebody can pull up on their iPhone or Samsung or whatever the other smartphones are. And it, and it mm-hmm. flows and they can see every, you know, part of the shot and the text and the graphics aren't, you know, truncated and don't look weird or aren't stretched, you know, and that's, so, you know, just what, you know, what makes the most sense for digital, um, it depends, and it also just depends on the layout for the different sites and the, you know, the the different types of stories that you're telling. So just look at BET, look at CNN, look at um, Al Jazeera Plus, look mm-hmm. at News Now, um, look at Snapchat and how the different um, brands are pu- um, putting their content up on Snapchat, look at Instagram Live. Um, look, I mean, yeah, look, look, look everywhere as a, as, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. in particular, look at the stuff that you like, look like, you know, think about, think about something that you, that you thought was cool, you know, stop and go, wait, how did they do that? I wonder how they did that. Mm-hmm. And just look into it. And, um, uh, at the end of the day, you want to be doing what you like. So that, I think that's the most important thing. So if you like something that's, that's ultimately how I ended up in TV and film. I like TV. I like film. And I wanted to figure out, do the research and the background work to figure out how, how that works, how TV yeah. comes to be, how film comes to be. And you should do the same thing when it comes to digital and, um, you know, look into who created it, where they work, how they got their start, who they, um, you know, interned or did an apprenticeship with and, and you'll be good to go. And then, you know, also keep in mind those different things where you're like, that's really cool, but I would do it this way because that's, you know, a value mm-hmm. add that you bring to the to the conversation that someone else doesn't because, you know, everybody has their own unique perspective or take. And obviously in a creative um, business, that's, imp- that's important. <laughs> it's good that you have mm-hmm. your own thoughts and your own ideas as well. Okay. All right. So my last question, which I think you already kind of covered a little bit, but uh, it is if you had one piece of advice that you could share with a young filmmaker or a young uh, editor, um, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, let's see. What would that, if I could give one piece of advice about, um, about you know, like working in, the, working in the industry or getting into the industry? One piece of advice. I'll, I'll let you choose. If, if you want to do one of each, that works too, but um, yeah. <laughs> okay. For getting in the for for just getting that first job or just getting into the industry, mm-hmm. um, I would just say um, keep your head up. <laughs> like it's definitely mm-hmm. you know it's it's not easy, but you'll get there. So like just don't you know just don't give up on yourself. It's it's easy to like get discouraged and you know try not to and and keep reminding yourself why you want to do it by consuming cool content you know like whenever you get a little mm-hmm. bit discouraged or frustrated take a break take a step away the coolest thing the most fun thing about this job is that when you're like oh I need a break from my job you just kind of go back to your job and you're like oh I need a break you know you know how to mm-hmm. be with school like you're like oh, I need a break from watching this film and analyzing it I'm gonna go watch this movie <laughs> like yeah you're still, you're still doing and, and that's great because ultimately you're still you know helping yourself so like just you know whenever you get discouraged or frustrated 
take those breaks and let yourself like just live and absorb all the like cool stuff that's going on around you and go out and have fun. And ultimately that's going to help you think of different ways to, um, you know, get to where you want to go. And I guess that applies to even when you're in, honestly, even when you're in the industry, like even when you're feeling mm-hmm. kind of burnt out, um, cause that happens. Um, just take a break. It's, it's okay to take a break and it's okay to let yourself like have some fun and do some things that are just for you and not necessarily for the bottom line. Uh, mm-hmm. And it'll ultimately help, you know, help you keep, you know, moving, it'll help you keep learning new things. It'll help you keep, you know, feeling um, invigorated enough to jump and dive back into your work. And um, I don't know. I think that's good advice that is also mm-hmm. hard advice, but it's, you know, it served me well. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me on my podcast. Thank you. It was it was really nice speaking with you, and best of luck with everything. That was my interview with Danielle Hendricks. Thanks again to Danielle for joining me on my podcast. Be sure to check out her work and more at BET.com. Finally, if you like the podcast, make sure to give us a good rating, subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.